0: NAB Show New York is where go getters in media, entertainment, finance, and advertising connect and champion new content strategies. Discover new tools and solutions from 300 plus exhibitors and gain actionable insights from more than 50 conference sessions. Learn more at NABShowNY.com and get your free core package.
1: Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Nick lusser editor Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. For the past couple of weeks, we've been sending dispatches from the front lines of the Fall Festivals in Toronto and Venice. But late in the summer, we had the opportunity to speak with director Andrew Bajowski on the occasion of his latest film, Support the Girls. It opened a few weeks back to excellent reviews, including our own write-up by April Wolfe. Our conversation with Andrew was a kind of hybrid interview-slash-discussion about work and workplaces and movies. Work is a topic that could fill many podcasts, of course, and we quickly realized we'd need to do another. But graciously joining me was the filmmaker and critic Sierra Pettengill, who wrote a terrific essay for the new issue of Film Comment about the great Chick Strand. Here's our discussion. Hello, welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. This week, we have a special topic, a theme. I guess last week we looked at the summer before uh, September 11th. So this week, <laughs> it might be a bit more lighthearted, I suppose, uh, let's hope, still recovering from that. But this week, we're gonna focus on the subject of work as it's as shown in movies. Um, and that's mostly because we have a you know really good film to center that upon, uh, which is Support the Girls. Uh, directed by Andrew Bajowski. Uh, we're also fortunate to have the filmmaker here to talk about it, and and another filmmaker and critic who uh, wrote a piece in an upcoming issue. Uh, so let's start by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Andrew Bajowski. Uh, I wrote and directed the
2: movie, Support the Girls, um, and a few others before that.
3: I'm Sierra Pettengill. I'm a filmmaker and a writer, and I wrote a piece for the upcoming issue of Film Common about the filmmaker, Chick Strand.
1: So in, in my kind of ham, ham-fisted alchemy here, I, I thought I'd put together these two <laughs> filmmakers to talk about work on screen. And Support the Girls, I mean, how did you choose the particular workplace for, for this? Like, what what made you think that this would be the workplace that you'd, you'd want to um, center on? Or or did you just generally want to pick a workplace and then realize that this would be a good one for it?
2: No, that the, the, the specific place was the genesis of it. I think... Hmm. Um, and and you know what we're talking about in the movie is uh, there there are a bunch of these places now I think uh, Hooters invented the concept of um, it's a sports bar and grill with uh, girls in tight shirts um, which sounds simple enough but uh, but it did it is very particularly to my mind American um, and and you know a certain a certain time and place it's hard to imagine any other culture on earth really demanding this in the way that late 20th century or early 21st century America right. wants this. <laughs> and so I went into one uh, 10 or so years ago and it kind of stuck with me because I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was surprised um, at how p- peculiar it was and what a, what a weird combination of elements it was. You know, there's, there's obviously a kind of raunchiness at the core of it, but that's almost more in the marketing than when, when you go in there it doesn't feel particularly raunchy at all right. it's kind of 180 degrees from a strip club in as much as it's really all about comfort mm-hmm. and uh, and a sense of belonging and, and you know making people feel alright about themselves and so uh, which isn't to say that I ever I mean that's kind of my pat summary but I, I never really felt like I figured the places out and so this story certainly came from mm. over the years just kind of Playing with this, these ideas in my head, and trying to figure out what, what characters uh, would be in such a world, and what kind of story I might find in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I I was thinking, in in in, you know, preparing for this, what does work allow one to do as a filmmaker? You know, when when you when you choose it as a subject, when you choose it as an activity, as an action to show, and what are we used to seeing? What are we not used to seeing? Um, I mean. I feel like there are a lot of different types of work that that you have in here, you know. I guess it's it's almost become like a cliche term now, but this is a great movie for showing emotional labor, but that that seems to be one of the things that you're getting at that hasn't really been shown enough. Hmm. Well, so much of our lives
2: take place at work one way or another, and whether that is, you know, emotional labor or not, most of I was hoping in doing this that as specific a setting as it was that that I that most people I think who have a job or you know operate within capitalism have have some sense of um what it is to to have to perform to get by i mean this is a job that has a very particular kind of performance associated with it but i i think that uh a lot of people no matter what they do go into work thinking that part of the job is pretending you like the job
1: um <laughs> right <laughs> That's true.
2: <laughs> I was
3: I was really struck in like the first I think 5 minutes of your film someone invokes the the idea of the family which kind of keeps coming up as both a family restaurant mm. and also that the workers are meant to be a family and there's this there was a piece a few months ago by um uh, Anne Heller Helen Peterson about the idea that when someone invokes a family, it's often a red flag for mm. like some abuse that's going to take place, whether that's uh-huh. within like friendship circles or particularly in the workplace. And I thought that was such a I kind of had that in mind as I was watching the film where there there's an excuse for capitalism. There's an excuse for some kind of abuse of a labor that the idea that we're all taking care of each other is, you know, yeah, is meant to paper over.
2: Yeah, well, that's a that's a fascinating insight um uh yeah, i mean for sure this character is trying her damnedest to to make that a reality and to believe that but i think uh, so much of this movie is about her her optimism getting battered by the same token i i hope you know i I've, I've heard people tell me that this movie is bleak and i've heard other people tell me that it's optimistic and i don't you know i i, I don't know which it is but I, uh but i do uh i think part of what i was interested in is 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 there a value to to that optimism. You know, of of that that because this particular character I mean, yes, if the owner says to you, We're a family and that means I'm gonna beat you up like your stepfather did, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> there's 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 that. But I think this is this is a woman who desperately wants to take care of people and desperately wants to bring that family at element in there, it that also opens her up, you know, as a as a big-hearted person to certain kinds of exploitation. Right. So and and I think she's That's something she's questioning at the end of the movie. But I think one of the things I was interested in is like, what is the, even if all your good intentions blow up in your face, Mm -hmm. is there a value to having those good intentions in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm in a movie shoot, you know, that's, it comes up all the time. Like this is a, this is a a little family. And that's, I think that's a lot of why people on movie crews keep coming back Yeah, and keep, cause I mean, boy, that's, that can be an. Exploitative workplace, area, just in yeah. terms of how hard you're working, people for how little money. Totally, but uh, so I don't, you know, I mean, you can poke holes in that idea of family. By the same token, it is a real thing that people feel.
3: Yeah, uh, and I, f- I actually felt that in the film. It wasn't, it wasn't used as abuse because they are taking care of each other, kind of in the face of no one else taking care of each other. So it felt, it felt kind of double edged to me. That it depends who's using that and towards what ends. You know, there's the Regina Hall character is kind of holding things together in a way that is um, sort of superhuman and well outside for pay grade, but that's, there is real value. It feels like there's true value in that. Those are real connections. And so the difference between, the like, different kinds of exploitation and who's taking care of whom within that system, I think is, yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah,
1: sure. yeah. And, and it's, it's also so interesting that, you're mentioning the, the performative, kind of performance aspect of the particular job, and and so that Re- Regina Hall's character, she's often like this interface between like on stage and off stage in a way, and she's moving between them. So just in like a, managing that. It, it, Seems like that's an interesting, in terms of it just blocking scenes out, you know, and and how you determine that. I mean, that, but that also seems pretty challenging to kind of like establish the space and how free we're going to be in the space, where we are in the space. I, I don't. I mean, how do you approach that? I mean,
2: well, yeah, certainly a lot of that stuff got to feel very technical on this movie. There were tons of. Um, I've never done something that felt so choreographed and that was a lot of our work on this movie because she is somebody because the movie's all built around her and she is the fulcrum of all activity um it's a huge job for an actor regina had everything on her shoulders um but also there was very little in the sense of traditional scenes because a lot of a lot of it was you walk this way you're trying to get to here but then this person comes in and interrupt you and then this other person comes in from this side and so um it was a, there was a whole lot of you know, hitting marks and getting the timing right. And then the challenge as a director was to try to keep that still feeling alive and not just like clockwork. Um, and, you know, of course, we had a phenomenal cast who breathed life into it. But yeah, I mean, it's a woman who really doesn't doesn't get much in the way of a break in the course of her day. Um, so there are very
1: particular rhythms to try to navigate. I, I mean, and, and I don't know, the reason I think about space as well is just because, I mean, when you think about you know, work offices in movies or they often like stick to a couple of locations or a couple of shots or angles that you're, you're doing. And, and that in turn kind of affects how you think of the, of the workplace, which is that they're, you know, and so I also liked how, 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 you know, this movie by kind of expanding the physical space makes you realize all the nuances of like the mental space that they're occupying as well, you know, and, and it's just, it's more, um, just gets a more organic and real, but that can also be disorienting. I, I mean, I, there was a very nice times review of it. And, and she kind of points out that Manola Dargas points out how it seems like it's drifting at times, you know, but I think that's kind of the nature of the, the beast in a way, you know, being at work is, is you're going between great focus and drifting and, you know, between alternating it between it.
2: Look, I, I, I probably have to just, uh, Claim responsibility for the drift. I, th- I think that's been said about any anything oh, oh, I've ever yeah. done. Uh, is there I didn't is mean a to use a D word? <laughs> there, no, no, no. It's okay. No, it's <laughs> uh, yeah. I like to drift, but um, yeah. but but yeah. I mean, there is something about that feeling of you know surviving in an eight-hour shift. Yeah. Uh, time. Something does happen to to time and space, and yeah. <laughs> uh, it's weird. I always thought that was weird. You know, I think when I when I was just out of college, I did a lot of. Temp work. I would sign up at temp agencies and go kind of do whatever for a day. And I was acutely aware how strange it was that I was selling time, you know. <laughs> especially as a temp, it's like it's not like there was any particular skill. I was. I mean, you know, there there were tasks that they would ask me to do, and I would try to do them. Yeah. But really, I was like the commodity here. <laughs> is time and it's right. like the and it's something that I cannot buy back. Right. You know, I can't I can't like when the angel of death comes for me, I can't pull the $8 out of my pocket and go, "Well, this is what I got for the hour. So can I can I get it
3: back now?
1: <laughs> Just a couple more hours, can I get my yeah. overtime back?" And then, you know, weaving that into part of their job, like the unspoken part of their job is that semi-explicitly they're selling they're having their body is part of what what they're selling. I'm not literally, but yeah, like yeah, it's, sure, it's that's part of the performance as well. So it's like like literalizing the whole thing of like, <laughs> you know, your labor being yourself and your time.
2: And well, in that part of it, I th- you know, I, th- I certainly it's I don't it's not something that I did particularly consciously, but I was certainly I've I've done six features now, and the last two have been ones where I'm kind of interacting with the you know very very uh, skilled and cr- good resume professional actors and, and the the agencies and all those things. Mm. And so it seems in retrospect, probably not a coincidence that I've also in working with Hollywood actors have made two movies about, you know, body image industries mm. um, because I, because they get that, you know,
1: I mean, that's right. something that, that everybody who works as an actor is very, very aware of. And then it's almost something you can kind of, if you're doing, you can kind of lose this self-consciousness of it, not, through any, like, ignorance, but just because you almost have to drop it at a certain point to just proceed, I don't know.
3: I mean, it's just such an incredibly, um, you know, this may be the L word, but, like, low-key film that is, I think, more accurate about gender and and race relations Mm. in the least um, calling attention to itself way, and it's kind of, it feels really extraordinary for that. Mm. Um, And, yeah, what it's like to actually... You know, I was thinking about it at the end what it's like to get through a day of work. And it's, it does feel there's this invocation throughout the film of like Superwoman. And it doesn't, you know, there's no, there's nothing um, exaggerated or or even self-aware about the Regina Hall character in that way. But the movie's exhausted. You know, what she goes through in a day is exhausting, and the idea of, you know, as you're saying, like I did temp work too, and uh-huh. I, I kind of remember what the that repetition of those days and knowing that the next day, you may have feel like you made it through something heroic um and the next day you're doing the same thing again and i think that's you know that's not that's not just true of kind of like more menial or what they call menial work but i think the that idea of like all the labor that goes into a day um and particularly watching women find their way through that and not in a way that is that is not self congratulatory it's not like a feminist manifesto it's it is just how Women's work, I think, ends up playing out. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah.
2: As as a writer, I do my best, or I try to meet the characters where I hope and think they are, um, and then, but then I have this great luxury if I get to bring in actors to to breathe life into that, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, whatever whatever bullshit is in my script, we try to weed some of that out <laughs> in the production, and and a lot of that comes from just getting really. Really
1: good actors to find those people. And did they? Did they? Were they bringing like particular experiences or uh, from work? Or yeah,
2: yeah. I think um, most of the. I mean, you know, Regina was a waitress uh, twenty years ago, and and certainly had some stories about that. Shana McHale, uh, it's who it's her first movie, but who plays Danielle? She, you know, she worked in retail. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she's great. Um, she worked at H and M, and I think a number of retail jobs over the years, and mm-hmm. so. Most, I mean, most actors have done something
1: like that, right? Right. I mean, and I mean, yeah, the, the performances are are there's, it's just such sort of a variety to it as well. Uh, in terms of like the personality types, I feel like each of us has worked <laughs> at a place where you have, you know, the, the you know the different personality types that are in this movie. Each of them filling their role in the ecosystem that they do. Um, and yeah, the um, um, Haley Lee Richardson, Haley Lee Richardson character, yeah. But it's sort of awe-inspiring, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, it is awe-inspiring. I'll go ahead and say that. Uh, especially with what you're encountered with all the time. So that's just a that's just a great. Must, I mean, that must be kind of a great character to to write as well, and to see someone just kind of breathe life into it like that.
2: Oh, it's awesome to get. Yeah, and that was something. You know, in the course of um, looking at young actors for this role, uh, I you know, I, I certainly uh, a lot of. I met with a bunch of people, and we asked some people to send in tapes and things, and, and there are a lot of a lot of really fine young actors out there, but I think a lot of them were, were um, in a kind of Hollywood way. There would be a tendency to think, well, this is a place that sells sex, so I'm going to do a, a sexy read on this. And Haley Lou was the only one who I think just immediately intuitively got that that wasn't really the product that was being sold. It wasn't <laughs> particularly about seduction. It was more this just this kind of cheerleader pep and this m- making people feel good. And as a character, that was, I, I yeah, I, I mean, it was a you know i was never sure if i was getting the character right on the page but i but i was really interested in that person who because i didn't it, to me this wasn't a movie about how just about you know how horrible work is and and how you know what torture it is i mean there are people and certainly at these places you see you know you get a sense maybe from some of the women working there that it's just a performance that they turn on and off but then for others it it is you know, that's kind of, they come from the same culture that these places come from. And for some of them, it is quite natural. Um, and so I certainly wanted to get that that in there as well.
3: I lo- love the range of clientele too, which feels equally nu- nuanced as the workers. You know, people mm-hmm. are coming there for different reasons and have sure. different reactions. And, you know, I don't want to spoil alert, but the, the I actually found the, f- the fight scene a really beautifully moving uh-huh. sort of surprise twist where – you know, it's maybe the most overtly sexy um, scene in the film, mm. and the majority of the the men who are there to watch this fight actually don't care about the women's bodies, which is, in some way, sort of tragic, and in another way, a, a kind of a real relief that uh-huh. it, you don't you don't quite know what the product is that's there, and sure. um, there's just a real kind of flattening of everyone's motivations in a way that I found really. It was a, like a very beautiful surprise. I don't think that's spoiling anything. I don't think so. <laughs> Vague enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we can um, pause for a bit uh, as we do in the podcast just for a bit. But when we come back, maybe we can talk about other movies that are showing work. And, and I've also just been thinking about like the different phases that work on screen has gone through uh, over over the past, let's say, 40 years, going back to spitting rivets in the 40s and that sort of thing. Uh, so we'll pause. <laughs>
0: NAB Show New York is where go-getters in media, entertainment, finance, and advertising connect and champion new content strategies. 300-plus startup innovators and industry-respected leaders are gearing up to answer your questions as you demo their latest products and solutions. 50-plus sessions taking place on the show floor will get you up to speed on new business models, trending technology, and the latest creative inspirations all complemented by several community-focused events set to expand your network and connect you with influencers shaping careers, creativity, and culture. Learn more at nabshowny.com and get your free core package.
1: And we're back and thought maybe we just traips through film history a little as as is our want. <laughs> a traips here, traips there. I mean, I, I don't I don't know that now is a part of why this movie is you know interesting is is that now I don't know that now is a great time for you know work work and workplace on screen. It feels like that's very much displaced TV right right now. But there have been periods where it's you know what's going on in work workplaces comes to the fore just to generalize, grossly generalize, like you can kind of have. Like in the 90s, there was almost like anti-work, you know, the, the kind of slacker ethos um, that, that would show up and you'd get classics like comedy classics, like Office Space or something like that. In the 80s, there were all that idea of the combination, it's from like decline of like blue collar work. Watch some of that stuff now, it's really pretty painful. <laughs> um, and then like women in the workplace somehow, I'm I'm giving a cartoonish version of things. It's only, I feel like it's only really in the 70s where somehow there was like this sweet spot where like a kind of pleasing, relaxed, bagginess. I'm sounding like I'm describing pants, but um, <laughs> of, of the filmmaking allowed like this this kind of open space where you actually were seeing people be. I'm um, you were just talking about blue collar as well, although that's kind of a bit more conventional in terms yeah, of the beats. I, but.
3: I, yeah. And that, it actually just made me incredibly anxious because I feel like that maybe in a lot of ways, I mean, it gets the economic anxiety and also the um, sort of daily anxiety of being in a workplace and all of the interpersonal tensions. Uh, but I've also been thinking about um, the way that work is shot, like, cinematically in Thief mm. of all movies. Mm. And I, oh, you know, I've I've seen that movie a lot, but the most recent time I saw it, I was so... Like really enamored in this hypnotized way by how work is portrayed as this choreograph. I mean, it's nice to hear you say that your film was choreographed, because the, the labor and thief when they're breaking into a safe, it's it's kind of elevated to art. The you know the movements of their bodies, the fluidity of handing off tools, how they're breaking into you know using uh, uh, blowtorches to break into the safe is just kind of ecstatic to me and that felt like, you know, Michael Mann knows something about shooting work and these people, the men who are acting, know something about doing this labor. It's just kind of, it feels unmistakable. And there's something of that, I mean, in Blue Collar as well, but the it's less, I don't know, elevated, I think.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's funny you mention that because I, I, I was thinking before that, like, the one way you can, one place you can t- consistently see process in, in work is a heist movie. Right, sure, yeah. Safe cracking is the is the one thing we're, <laughs> yeah. we're going to preserve in movies to to show uh, for the very small minority of people who are safe crackers by profession. They're like, <laughs> I see me up there right. finally. I mean, I think that's part of what was you know really interesting about um, Andrew about your movies when when you were starting out. I think people didn't know what to make of of the, the time and 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 the activity you were depicting.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, and it's well, just you know, it's interesting to hear you. Yeah. Once you open up. Crime as a workplace, then, <laughs> then, then you go. Well, yeah, a lot of movies are about work. I guess <laughs> that's I mean, right. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember with the first, for for whatever reason, I've kind of stumbled into this series of work movies, and my my wife makes fun of me for you know. She's like, "What are you What are you doing now? Writing another movie about small business?" Like it's, I seem <laughs> I, it's it seems to. I keep coming back to it in large part because mm-hmm. I think that is what indie filmmaking is. You know, so I mean, it's just it's it's kind of my. There's so much there's so much small business in my own life that um it keeps coming out on the page. Uh but I remember even with with my early with my first couple of movies, I would get annoyed when I would re, if I would see a review or something that would be like, these are these are just aimless young people and and who and they, they aren't doing anything. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, you know, I get it. But um but uh you know, in the case of something like uh, mutual appreciation, my second movie there was a guy, the The lead character in that movie was somebody who did not have a job, but he was also like wildly ambitious. You know, he was a musician who was kind of um, at at the bottom, but, you know, coming, moving to the big city to realize his dreams in a way that I always, it, it always bugged me a bit that that was discounted. I was like, what What do you mean aimless? Like this is right. <laughs> about
1: a guy who might be in his first steps, but he's trying to conquer the world. Yeah. He has, he has if anything, too many plans <laughs> yeah. coursing through his head. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's it's hard to know what to, what to make of of the kind of reluctance to to recognize that. I mean, I think then you start getting into discussions of class a little. I felt, you know. I don't know.
3: Yeah, and, that, and that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that ended up being like the focus of, Yeah. I mean, I always have an eye on that mm-hmm. <laughs> in full disclosure. But it ended up being the focus or my way into writing about Chick Strand, which is, mm. you know, she's a, a filmmaker who's probably best known by academics Um, It was really hard for me to get access to her work and any interviews with her because it's all behind this, like, academic firewall. And then when I finally broke through that and I, you know, was reading this incredibly long, amazing oral history she did at UCLA, she, it's like the saltiest thing I've ever read. She's incredibly, you know, against um, a a deeply analytical read of her work and she's worked countless jobs a lot of them menial a lot of them uh, she doesn't even they don't it doesn't even seem to have occurred to her as being different than her filmmaking in a way you know she's like typing up insurance policies she's doing her, her husband's doing logging work she's helping with logging work and there's there's something like that is so class-based in rejecting that work as being meaningless. Like, I got really stuck on this phrase, meaningful work, which I find, which I think your character in mutual appreciation is like, what what constitutes meaningless? Like, why are we looking at certain kinds of labor and thinking that has no influence, A, on a person's artwork, and B, on the life they're living? I just, that one really gets me.
2: Yeah, that's a, you know, you this is great because I can this is highfalutin for film comment but i uh, <laughs> i uh I, I just remember uh, I, many many years ago, and I don't want to get this wrong or put uh the wrong words in his mouth, but somehow I remember as a when I was a young man um meeting James Benning and chatting with him somewhere about his teaching career um and i i I don't know if I was asking how this came up, but I think i'm maybe I as a young person wanting to go out and do meaningful work was you know I said well James doesn't it bother you that that you know you're teaching all these you're you're imparting all your great film wisdom to these uh to these young people and and many of them just won't do it you know not everybody's going to go out and certainly do what you do or or even continue on in film at all and um again not i hope i'm getting this right but what i think i remember him saying to me then was something like you know that he felt very at peace with that and and largely because he he felt like what they were doing in that class was you know, maybe it was not so much about the nuts and bolts of filmmaking, or it was, but what the larger picture was a way of looking at the world, a way of interacting in the world, a way of being in the world. And that I think he he comforted himself thinking that, the you know, the guy who goes on from his class to be an insurance salesman still is now maybe the the, the artful insurance salesman or the one who, you know, lives with that. And I found that.
3: Yeah, it's about ways of seeing and experiencing the world. And I think that's valuable no matter what, On on. You know, from the film to other kinds of work, Benning trajectory. You know the way you just described, and also in the other direction, where I can't understand how working as a logger is not going to help you make a movie with interesting specific details. And like a f- what I kept coming back to with Chick Strand is there's this like fluency of shooting. Um, the way that similar to Thief, you know the the the. the the Way that cinematography is really confident in filming labor and, and understanding um, what that looks like, and I don't, I just can't see why that would be meaningless. Yeah, the things that get you to a film, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So interesting thing, you know, talking about Chick Strand and James Banning in, in the same, same sentence because both having. This ability to tap into something very sensual in what you're seeing, because there's so much about all the details of what you're you're hearing and feeling in very different ways, <laughs> but also at the same time about the lived experience of that. And 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 now I'm beginning to wonder how one separates it out, you know, like the work experience from not work and what you're saying about Benning's, you know, said about I mean the habits of being and, and and doing, you know, why do we have to consider it separate like that? So other movies about well, work I, or, more, or yeah, I just wanted to
3: ask what films you were looking at or thinking about with this. If there's anything that's,
2: I you know, I'm I was kind of, for whatever reason, I I don't. It, it, you mentioned that a lot of it, um, that that the workplace is much more common in TV, right? And there is, and this this movie had actually begun years and years ago. My Hollywood agent said to me, you know. Every, and everybody's getting out of movies. Everybody's getting into TV. Do you have any TV ideas? So this had started as something that I developed as a TV pitch, and I ended up being very grateful that it didn't go anywhere because I never. I have a lot of trouble. I don't think in terms of stories that don't end. Like I need. <laughs> I, I need an ending <laughs> yeah, right, to know right, what the story is. Right. But so there is that weird strand of sitcom DNA that's as much as 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 strange as this movie is, and as you know, dark in some ways. It's still. There, there is a little bit of sitcom in this movie, um, and so not that I was looking to those in particular either. But um, there wasn't, I, there, there, there wasn't like a list of you know particular right. work movies I was looking at. I was probably more aware of both in like good ways and bad. This isn't Cheers, but <laughs> but it kind of is. And, <laughs> and to actually bizarrely, as a kind of stunt, because crew people are crazy. Speaking of work environments, the whole art direction team the the bar that we had had a kind of similar physical oh. uh, shape to the to the cheers bar wow. and so those guys all which is crazy because they were working so hard but on one of the weekends off uh-huh. they all got drunk and shot for shot recreated an episode of cheers oh my god which was quite extraordinary they showed it at the rap party it was amazing
3: is that going to be on your
1: no i don't
2: think quote we have unquote the rights
1: <laughs> but, uh,
2: that's it was,
3: amazing it was
1: something quite special yeah <laughs> that's really great well, Cheers has 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 undergone a certain critical uh, resurgence. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it, it, another interesting thing is that thinking about TV as, as a place where workplaces become kind of a story that doesn't end. And but I also think like, why do people want to watch that? That's the flip. That's a, another question about work, which is why do you want to watch it, or, or do people not want to watch? It? I guess we kind of. I I kind of assume that they don't. I was always puzzled by something like The Apprentice or. Um, because it's like, why would you want to go home after having to do meetings and whatever, right. and sure. watch sure. a boss? Right. I, don't, I didn't. I never yeah. got that. Yeah.
2: Sure. Um, it's um. <laughs> it's it's the biggest show in the world right now.
3: Yeah. Well, we're living <laughs> through, through that, that every question in large. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I wonder if that is is that like a dislike that I'm just imagining? I mean, because apparently people do love to watch it. They love and they love to watch people be humiliated. But that's another thing. Sure. Good question, yeah why do people
2: I don't know, I don't know well, but as you say i mean it it is it 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 well, gosh, talking about families, i mean they they were the cheers for sure, mm-hmm. and with my son, we started watching um or the original star trek, you know, oh yeah, and that's a workplace show <laughs> it's yeah, you know, just all these folks and in yeah. particular those three guys, but everybody, you know <laughs> there's a real specific dynamics <laughs> it's there, it's actually you know. I haven't quite thought this through until this moment, but I think you can. There's
3: I think you can. I think line. my. I think
2: support the girls. Yeah, you can go. Regina Hall to Captain Kirk, and <laughs> I guess. I guess
1: Shana is Spock, and but anyway, I'll I'll that's
2: figure out the rest. That's another good later. episode
3: remake. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Recreate that. Um, yeah. No, I mean, and I've you know, I think that kind of analog thinking, like. Um, The workplace standing in for a family happens a lot. Like, I've been watching The Americans. I can't really explain why I'm watching The Americans. But I suddenly realized, I think it's basically a movie about parenting, above all, actually. I mean, not that this is a revelation, but it's about maintaining that double life that Mm. you have as the adult world, but taken to extremes, you Uh know, Um, and the the notion that you're literally killing people in the show or, like, killing people or doing things you wouldn't want to tell your child about.
3: I think there's a a difference. You know, I mostly especially while writing this, I was mostly thinking about documentaries. And there's such a like, marked difference between what you're describing. Like, why do we go to workplaces for entertainment where in documentary it's always just exploitation? And I think that's that we have a different problem on the documentary side, which is you know either trying to reveal uh, exploitative practices or make you feel you know, make you more aware of the world and it's...
1: You mean as a filmmaker
3: capturing scenes or... as a Yeah, as a filmmaker yeah. capturing yeah. scenes, as a, a market that's marketing, you know, documentaries about work. It's always about exposing some exploitation in a way that is dehumanizing often, you know, and I was trying to think as I was watching these Chick Strand films, like what films kind of find that balance where you showing... A kind of lived experience of working that is can both show the exploitation, but also like the physical, the physical act of working. And there, there's precious few, really. That I mean, you brought up Wiseman. Yeah. I think that's that yeah, a, Wiseman, like um,
1: the, the poet laureate of like of, the board, yeah. of the, board so yeah. like the budget meeting,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> I'm hard pressed to think of any Wiseman movies that feel super warm, you know, or do what Cheers does. But I don't. They're they're certainly not exposes of the horrors necessarily even even as horrors occur they're uh, well of course they're nothing but nothing but humanity in those movies which is why he can keep doing them and it's
1: never it's it's always fresh and it's always quite extraordinary yeah and and he can that's also his movies are often about that weird interface between like the routine work people are doing at their workplace and how that's affecting actual lives you Mm. know especially the meeting scenes like I, i i don't no matter what, I go into a Wiseman meeting scene, and I'm still kind of excited because it's like that's where the world gets changed. It looks so ordinary, but the uh-huh, world right. gets changed uh-huh. because the minutes they covered one thing and didn't cover another, or they make some. It's it's getting it's crazy to think that, but there's such a pure honesty to that that he's allowing that and recognizing. Yeah,
3: that. Yeah, I mean, it's the only we all know like in theory that like structural and institution you know those are the questions that actually shape lives and film has a hard time i think depicting that you know it tends to veer towards the individual and i think that's why those scenes are actually so exciting because he's maybe one of the only filmmakers who's showing structural politics in a um in a somehow exciting verite way where you can see you're getting enough sides of a of an issue and or an institution that you can see The structural decision making and also the effect in the same film. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I mean something like welfare is so vivid in that regard. Mm -hmm. Okay, fast favorite Wiseman films. I'm gonna abuse my moderating power here.
2: (laughs) Uh well look, let me admit, I have not seen all you haven't seen all forty-four of (laughs) forty-three. Welfare's up there. High school's up there. I feel like I need a list in front of me, though. National um, Gallery.
3: I know that's a, a late in the game a special one. Yeah, that one. There's a, he. I don't understand quite the alchemy of his editing process that it reaches some place that I want to cry at the. Yeah. <laughs> in every film, Absolutely. but that.
1: Yeah, I feel that way about the New York, New York Public Library one. Speaking of a recent one as well. I just—he seems to create these utopias or imagine these utopias. Like they're removed and observational, but it's also like—I sometimes feel this secret yearning that, uh-huh. that everything could function like that. Mm. Yeah, I
2: don't know. Part of the problem too. I'm, I have young kids now, so these movies okay. will play okay. in Austin where I live, but they'll be like four hours long, and they'll show it on a Sunday. And I'm like, yeah. I have kids, right. so I, don't, so I yeah. missed uh, a lot of the recent ones.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: As a PSA, they're now all streaming on Canopy.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a streaming service. Yeah.
3: I don't work for Wiseman <laughs> yet.
1: Um Well, I think we're we're sort of running toward the uh toward the end here. Um I don't know if there's anything we haven't touched upon that we might wanna
2: When you, you mentioned you did a your a very very brief history of place in <laughs> my cartoon history. Your cartoon history. Like and you said something about sequence. the eighties movies and a very vivid image popped to mind. <laughs> I haven't seen it in thirty years. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go a little lowbrow here. Does anybody Remember or have any feelings or thoughts about Michael
1: Keaton in Gung Ho? <laughs> I thought you. Might, I was thinking you that, thought I was going to. No, I was thinking Mr. Mom, Gung Ho, Mr. Mom. Ah, is okay, right, yeah.
3: I have to tap out. I'm not seeing Gung Ho.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while, and and I think I that's that's one of the that's one of the like Japan's taking over kind yes. of an, yeah. An your, moment, what are your yeah. thoughts? Well, I remember it fondly. Yeah. Again, I you know
2: I I I'm <laughs> going <laughs> to assume that uh, politically it probably is is not okay now, but. Right. But I, but I have only fond memories of gung-ho. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think as a kid it seems appealing because, like, everyone's kind of like, I don't know. There's yeah, a lot well, of and like it also... Rabble-rousing. <laughs> and I remember, you know, being somewhat... Well, I think... You know why I think of it sometimes, too, is that people will talk about uh, Sixteen Candles and, of course, like, you know, of the now thoroughly disgraced Long oh. Duck Dong. Right. But then Getty Watanabe, who, well, by the way, it's like a year apart, goes from playing the horny teenager in that to being the executive, Michael Keaton's boss <laughs>
0: oh. in Oh Gun my Hill, God, that's true. Which
2: I, you know, wow. a, a, again, this is a childhood memory, but I remember it being a, I, I mean, I, I like that actor and I like that performance. Yeah. And uh, uh, so my sense is that, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get myself in trouble or put myself out on a limb. Well, I'm sure the movie is probably doesn't play politically today. I, I think it, I recall it being actually somewhat fairly sensitive or at least certainly they took all kinds of cracks at, the Americans. It was not a. Uh, right. It was not a particularly jingoistic movie, as I recall it, which is right. was probably not good for business. Yeah. But anyway, if yeah. anybody
1: out there listening
2: <laughs> has seen Gung Ho recently, write yeah. in the comments
1: field, <laughs> please write in. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was always taken with uh, Michael Keaton's kind of like energy that he has. Just this kind of it's like a latter day kind of like you know next generation Jack Lemmon kind of. For for Vibrant, kind, of, yeah. kind, of, yeah. kind of energy that that he has, um, which I think is is also true. Just to um, bursting out against like the constraints of of where you work, <laughs> so now you're just like yeah, well, gung ho. very
2: good. A car
3: factory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just car trying factory. to fill yeah. in the yeah. gap. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. an American car factory, and yeah. then it gets taken the company gets bought by a Japanese company. Yeah. All kinds of culture Traumless conflict and yeah, yeah, right? yeah, and um and the and you know I think. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit again. I don't remember, but I think it's there's a lot of you know like racist Americans don't want to accept their new Japanese bosses okay. and um, and the ending, if oh, I remember it right, I've completely forgotten what. If I remember it right, uh-huh. for some reason there's a challenge, and it's like <laughs> and it's like you Americans are are uh, you know you're you're so lazy and inefficient. There's no way you can make a thousand cars. Oh, okay. in the I, next yeah. 48 hours I don't remember so you know they have to do something insane and they all go to work and they're on the line and they're working their asses off and they do it Mm -hmm. and then the bosses show up and they're so proud and all their cars fall apart you know like my my (laughs) Michael Keaton kind of you know like bangs his fist and pride on the top of the car and the door (laughs) falls off great so funny so unexpected seems like
3: a radical movie for the 80s I hope I'm right about this we'll see
1: Rose, rose-colored glasses. Now I'm thinking of Tucker, the man in his dream, thinking oh, yeah. about how to make a car in oh, like yeah. 24 hours. That uh-huh. I kind of um, dream. Thing. I love those kind of contest, labor contest conclusions. Now I'm thinking of Convoy from the 70s, where for no apparent reason they have to get like a zillion cars what somewhere. Is the, you know, I know that that's about. The, I know the song real well.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> my son was obsessed
1: with it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, but I've never seen the movie. Oh, I I only saw it as a kid, and I remember it. It led to my like putting all my matchbox cars all out on the floor because I was imitating the movie Convoy. Yeah. But I think I've said too much. Already. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what my boy would
2: do. And so, oh, really? Yeah, it would be, he'd be lining up all the trucks and we're like, looks looks like we got ourselves a convoy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
2: so wow. play the song again.
1: Uh, we'll give my regards to fellow convoy enthusiasts. <laughs> um, all right, well. Uh, I, I, I feel don't... like a girl from the 80s okay. right now. <laughs> all right well uh i guess we can kind of wrap up i i'll i'll end with what's optional segment if, if you know if, if you don't want to jump in but uh the last movie each of us saw that we really enjoyed if you want to cast your minds back i recently it's another movie about
2: waitresses in texas i saw it never oh. going back oh which well, uh, huh? just knocked my yeah.
1: socks off it just had a blast
3: it's part of the bam black power series which is pretty amazing and i've been kind of camping out there and there's a film called off the pigs that was i can't remember i think it's 68 and i think it disappeared from our currency because it um, was taken by the fbi and so all of the Uh identifying information in the film has been stripped out so there's no credits or anything but it's this it was made by a polish filmmaker whose name i cannot remember and would massacre if I could remember it. And it's incredibly avant-garde and it has all these crazy kind of double exposure scenes. um, And uh, it ends with this, um, it's, it's pretty grim, but it ends with this, black child running over um, I think the Brooklyn Bridge with like a hint of a smile on his face. It's one of the most powerful I think it's 30 minutes long, one of the most powerful films I've seen and it's kind of mid-restoration right now so it kind of goes in and out of clarity but mm. really incredible. Mm. Sounds amazing. Off the pigs.
1: Yeah, actually now I remember what I did see because I was writing about a new Blu-ray of it that came out. It's Strange Victory uh, oh, which is this uh, just Extraordinary movie by uh, Leo Hurwitz, uh, who is this, you know, leftist documentarian worked for the Film and Photo League, and he made this movie right after World War II, and it's basically about so we won, but how come we're all still racists and like everything's still awful, which was the wrong movie to make, sure. <laughs> at the time so that's it's a very it's just an interesting with kind of voiceover it's kind of like like a response I think like a response like why we fight in a way because there's like this running voiceover it's like well so how come it's this way how come it's like this how come it's still like this Uh, so an interesting movie wow all right well uh, that brings us to the end Uh, thank you Sarah and thank you so much uh, Andrew thank you for
2: having me thank
3: you
1: or check out our app available on Android, iOS,
3: or Kindle.